Thank you. Well, there are two little angels up in heaven, and they had finally earned the privilege of heading down to earth. They were going to get a body for the first time. They were so excited. These two little angels had been hanging out with, together for quite a while, and they wanted to learn about love. So they went to God, and they said, God, while we're down there, what's the best way that we can learn about love? And God said, well, you know, sometimes the best way to learn about love is to be, well, enemies, and then learn to love each other afterwards. You know, if you can learn love that way, sometimes it's to be parent and child and all the strife there. Sometimes it's to be husband and wife because there's all that tension. That's probably the best way to, to learn to love. Are you willing to do that? I mean, I want you guys to take some time and think about this because this is, this is a pretty big uh, task that you're taking on, so take some time. So the two little angels went away, and they took some time, and they talked to each other about it, and they said, yeah, well, we really want to do this. Well, what then they means one of us has got to be a bad guy because, you know, there's all that tension and fighting. We've got to be enemies. Do we really want to do this? And the one said, well, I'm willing if you are. I'll even be the bad guy. There's only one thing that I ask. You have to promise to remember who I am. Promise me you remember who I am when we're down there. And isn't that the challenge that we serve, that we have, is to remember that everyone around us comes into this experience to be the angels for us, even the ones that give us the most problems, maybe especially the ones who bring us the most problems in our lives. We get to do this. Do we remember who they are? And if we don't, then we are challenged with trying to remember how to return to love. How can we return to love? Well, this is the fourth week we've been looking at Jim Roseberg's book, The Transcendent Life, Understanding the Nature of True Power. And Roseberg has been teaching us about the humility principle from Luke 18, 14. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. And this week, we're going to look at how this principle applies to our relationships, to selfless sacred service, and to returning to love. It would be nice if we could always think of the people around us, the people that we have problems with, as being the angels that are in our lives. Wouldn't that be nice if we could always remember that? Sometimes I can do it, sometimes not so much. Maybe you're, maybe you're like me in that. We learned this what we try to usually do when we get somebody in our lives that we don't really get along with is we try to change them. Well, didn't we learn that from our parents? They spent 18, more or less, 20, more or less, 30, more or less years trying to change us. And so we learned that from them. That's what we picked up. If you don't like somebody, you try to change them. You try to manipulate them. You try to tell them how to be and how to do. And well, frankly, it doesn't work. It doesn't, well, not for long because we're freedom-seeking beings and we want to be who we are. And so nobody can tell us how to change. Matter of fact, we're the only ones that can change ourselves. Sometimes we're hurt the most by the people that we have trusted to love us the most. And whatever happened, it was wrong, it was bad, it was horrible. It wasn't good. There's no way you can justify it. It doesn't make any sense. And we're going to do everything that we can to make sure nobody hurts us like that again. 
Every time we think of them, we get angry, we get upset. It still hurts us. 20 years later, when they come into our minds, we still feel that pain. I cannot forgive you. I don't know how. Well, this is a rubber band. Did you ever do this when you were a kid? Did you ever put a rubber band on your finger? And you put the rubber band on your finger, be careful not too tight, or you can't get it back off. And the whole time you have it on your finger, you're watching your finger turn blue, and then you watch your finger turn purple. And then after a while, it really starts to hurt, and you say, wow, this is really pinching off the flow of blood in my finger. Well, holding on to pain from the past is kind of like putting a rubber band on your finger and saying, I'm not taking it off. I'm just going to leave it there until my finger turns purple. You did me wrong, that's that, I'm right, there's nothing else I can do, I'm just gonna withhold my love from you because I don't wanna be hurt again. And the only problem with that is, we're the ones who suffer when we pinch off our love, just like my finger is suffering because it has a rubber band on it, and I'm the only one who can take it off, unless one of you jumps up here and tackles me. <laughs> and you're not gonna do that. The rubber band cuts off the flow. It hurts me. Pinching off my love from someone else doesn't hurt them, it hurts me. So we withhold our love until maybe they agree to change, until they agree to change. But no, love never demands that somebody else change. Love never does. We can only change ourselves, and we have to start that with forgiveness. My finger will forgive me when I take this rubber band off. Oh, that's much better. When we refuse to forgive, it hurts us, not them. And that makes sense on a couple of different levels. Let's think about that rubber band. You know, I stop the flow of blood, it hurts my finger. When we stop the flow of love, which is what we do when we refuse to forgive, we're blocking the life force, the love force. We're blocking God's source from moving in and through our lives. We're blocking that. We're blocking it in our hearts in our minds, and in our bodies. And there are emotional, mental, and physical consequences to blocking the flow of love. It's called dis-ease. It's called disease. So sometimes when we block the flow of love, we end up with a disease process that goes on. The second reason for refusing to forgive that, that it hurts us is because Remember, in unity, we believe that there's only one presence and one power. There's only one of us here. We're on a spiritual level. We're all one. We're all one presence. We're all part of God. So if I'm blocking my love from you, what I'm saying is I will not allow that which I am to receive love. If I'm not forgiving you, I'm not willing to forgive myself or to be forgiven. So we're blocking the flow of love in that way as well. We're saying... We're not going to forgive them. We're not forgiving ourselves. And in the moment that we do humbly forgive another person, we receive the forgiveness. When we're humble, when we realize that we don't need to be right, that we'd rather be right or rather be happy than to be right, when we realize that we don't need to be right, we may never forgive some or forget some of our old experiences. We may, we, you know, we've got minds that have memories, and so we may never forget them. But we'll know that we 
have forgiven, when we can think about them and we don't have that emotional reaction of pain or anger, when we can just think of what happened in the past and go, ah, yeah, that's, where, that's brought me to where I am today. It happened, and so it was. I had a part in it. When we can do that, then we'll know that we have forgiven. Like the two angels, you know, we get to remember who those people are and who we are as well. Forgiveness is something that we do for ourselves as a way of returning to our natural state, our natural joyful state, which is love. And frankly, you deserve that. That's who you are. You deserve to be in that natural state of love. We've probably all heard of Marianne Williamson. You know, she wrote the amazing number one bestseller, A Return to Love, and she also wrote A Woman's Worth and Illuminata and Everyday Grace and Enchanted Love. She's an amazing spiritual teacher, but she wasn't always that way. In A Return to Love, she writes a little bit about herself at the beginning. She says that she rejected God after she took a high school philosophy class. She said, I decided God was a crutch I didn't need. Well, that sounds pretty reasonable for a high school kid, right? God was a crutch I didn't need. She went on to college, and she just went wild. She went wild. She got into all kinds of things. She said, I went from relationship to relationship, job to job, city to city, looking for some sense of identity or purpose. And by her mid-20s, she says, I was a total mess. And at the base of it all, there was a part of her that was just, she used the word self-loathing. She did not love herself, didn't even like herself. One day in 1977, she was over at a friend's house, and she saw three books sitting on the table. They were all blue. They had gold lettering on them, and she was curious. And she was drawn to them, and she picked them up, and it was A Course in Miracles. And she looked at that, and she tried to read it, and it didn't make any sense to her then, so she put it down, and a year later, she ran into it again, and it made a little larger impact. Over the course of time, she finally got into A Course in Miracles. She read it. She understood it. It caused a profound shift in her perception. It helped her to return to love. She began to realize that only love is real. She began to realize that personal healing and the healing of the world depends on our being able to return from anything else back to love. She said, I was profoundly humbled. I saw very clearly that of myself, I am nothing. But on the way to do that, to get to that breakthrough, she first had to have a complete breakdown. And sometimes that's the way it is. When we exalt ourselves, we are humbled. Now, we don't make it really clear. God did not strike Marianne Williamson down and humble her. God would never do that. Choosing to exclude the wisest, most loving aspects of herself, choosing to exclude her spiritual beingness from her life led to those humbling experiences. God does not smite us and punish us because we have a God that is a God of unconditional love. But pinching ourselves off from that presence and power of God within us and ignoring it and not listening to that wisdom that's within us will lead us to be humbled 
because we're not operating on all eight cylinders. You know, we're just banging around trying to make things work when we, we have access to all of the wisdom in the universe right within us. When she humbled herself and opened herself to spirit, she found her life's purpose, and then she became exalted as a wise spiritual teacher, a great author. She is serving humankind in so many ways. That is her sacred service. In fact, all service to humankind is sacred service. All sacred service is a return to love. We can't not serve in some way and be happy. It isn't even possible. We're all here for each other. Whatever we do, whether it's as a great spiritual teacher or if it's somebody who donates dozens of donuts to the church on St. Patrick's Day, thank you, thank you very much. All sacred service is a return to love. We're all each other's angels. We're all in this together. When we've humbled ourselves enough to realize what we all really want and everything that we really need is a return to love, we start to make different choices. And forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness sets us squarely on that path back to love. It sets us squarely on that return to love. There was a small tropical island and two brothers lived in this native village. And one brother, Samu, was a fisherman, and he had a beautiful young wife named Sensei. And the other brother, Keno, he was a boat maker. And one day, Samu said goodbye to his wife, and he went out to sea to fish, as he always did. And while he was gone, a terrible storm blew up. And Samu did not return home that night, nor the next, nor the next. He didn't come home for a couple of weeks. His wife and his brother began to be very worried about him. All the village was worried about him. They were devastated. They were sure that he was dead. And after a young about a month, the young widow finally gave up. She accepted the loss of her beloved husband. And in their grief, his brother and his wife turned to each other for comfort. Well, two months after setting out to sea, Samu, the fisherman, finally returned home. It was a miracle that he survived. It was because of the strength of the boat that his brother had built. And when he found his brother with his wife, his heart was broken. His heart was broken. His sorrow quickly turned to rage. And then when that cooled off, his heart had turned to stone. Even though Keno and Sensei separated and asked his forgiveness, how could Samu ever forgive them for what they had done? He tried to hide his feelings, but he was filled with hatred. He was filled with anger. His heart just hurt. He went to the medicine man and told him, my heart hurts. What do I do? He said, whenever I think of my wife and my brother, I feel this anger. And the medicine man said, yes, and every time you feel that, a pebble grows in your heart. A pebble the size of a pearl grows in your heart. And so as he went through his experiences, Samu continued to feel the anger, and a pebble grew in his heart. That stab of pain came, and every stab of pain made him hate them even more because it was their fault in the first place. They multiplied, and pretty soon he was bent over with pain. His heart hurt all the time. He went back to the medicine man and said, give me a potion to kill me. I can't take this. 
Well, the medicine man would give him no such potion. He said no. But I tell you, this is the remedy for your wounded heart. You need to see with magic eyes. You need to see with magic eyes. Instead of seeing their betrayal, you need to see these people as people who were hurt so badly by their loss, so badly. They loved you so much. They were hurt so badly when they lost you that they were weakened, and they needed to turn each other to each other for comfort. Samuel said, well, nothing can change the past. Nothing can change what they did. And the medicine man said, yes, they were wrong, and we couldn't change the past but you can heal the hurt that comes from the past. Well, what do I need to do to receive these magic eyes? Asked Samuel. Well, to receive them, all you have to do is ask, the medicine man told him. And each time you see your wife and your brother, or each time you think about them, see them with these magic eyes. See them with that new understanding. And when you do, a pebble will dissolve from your heart. Well, eventually, Samu began to see his wife and his brother with these new eyes. And they began to change before him. And it took a long time, but one by one, the pebbles dissolved from his heart. He grew lighter. He stood tall again. He took his wife back into his heart. He took his brother back into his heart. And over time, once again, they lived lives of humble joy. Forgiveness gives us magic eyes. Forgiveness gives us a return to love. According to Lewis Smedes, there are four stages of forgiveness. One is the hurt. The hurt, the pain is so bad that you can hardly stand it, and you can't, certainly can't forget it. The second one is hate, where you can't shake off the memory of how much you were hurt, and you want the other person to suffer just as much as you did. And the third stage is healing. That's when you get the magic eyes. That's when you begin to see the other person in a new light, and your memory of them heals, and you're free of the pain that was inside of you. And then the fourth stage is coming together with them, inviting that person back into your heart and back into your life. Now, there may be times when it's not safe, physically safe, to bring someone back into your life, but you can always bring them back into your heart. Because if you don't, you're holding love apart from yourself. You're pinching love off from yourself. Bring them back into your heart. See them as that angel. Remember who they really are. And love them from a distance. I believe that we all want this return to love. Forgiveness is the first step in that return. It is the sacred Service of to share our love. That is a powerful piece of sacred service, is to share our love with everyone, through everything. Forgiveness is actually the beginning of sacred service to ourselves, to those who share our journey with us in this life and to the world. With a heart full of love, the next steps just open up for us, like it did for Marianne Williamson when she finally humbled herself she returned to love, and opportunities just came up for her. Forgiveness doesn't demand that we change another person. Forgiveness invites us to change. When we remember that the folks around us on this journey are angels who are sharing this life experience with us, we can humble ourselves and invite God 
into our lives, invite that love of God back into our hearts, we get to ask for magic eyes so that we can see people differently and return to our hearts of love. So this week, if there's anybody in your heart, anybody that you can think of, it still brings pain up for you, I invite you to ask for those magic eyes. Ask to see it differently. And as you do, and as you practice this one by one, those pebbles of pain that are inside of you will begin to dissolve. They will gently, over time, dissolve away, and your heart will lighten. You will put love into all the places where darkness seemed to be. Forgiveness is the first step in our return to love. It's the first act of sacred service and sharing our love with the world. It's the first step of our healing. I believe we're all willing. We're all like these angels, you know? We just have to promise each other that one thing. I promise I won't forget who you are. I won't forget. May we be blessed as we remember that for ourselves and for each other. Thank you. Thank you.